0: Good morning. good morning. I'm waiting on my cue from the back. <laughs> I wasn't just up here goofy smiling. It's uh, great to see you guys this morning. <clears throat> um, if you're visiting with us today, we're thrilled you're here to be a part of the service. Um, God is good all the time. All the time. God is good. Amen. Well, he has really been good to us here at Grace. Uh, We launched a building program a few years ago, and I am standing here to tell you this morning that the building is paid off in full. All the praise and honor goes to the Lord, and uh, we are so, so thankful uh, to Him and Look forward to what he's going to do in the future with us here at Grace. So if you see someone that uh, is not here today and they are not watching, uh, you can let them know that the Lord used his people to pay off this building. And we were so, so grateful. And with that in mind, I had some scripture that I wanted to uh, read this morning. I'd like you to stand because you're going to read with me. And what I did was just put a few scriptures together uh, for our consideration about the goodness of the Lord. I want you to just just for 10 seconds, 15 seconds, think about the goodness of the Lord in your life. Even in the midst of all the trials and pains. Let's read these scriptures together. First one's 1 is First Chronicles 16 34. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. Psalm 31, 19 and 20. Oh, how great is your goodness, which you have laid up for those who fear you, which you have prepared for those who trust in you. In the presence of the sons of men. And then in Psalm 34, 8, I'm sure a lot of you guys know this one. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who trusts in him. And it is a blessing when we do trust in him, isn't it? Psalm 100, verses 4 and 5. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And Psalm 107, 8 and 9. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. For he satisfies the longing soul and fills the hungry soul with goodness. Listen to me. The nourishment that we need the most is the Word of God. And I am so, so thankful that the Lord fills us with His goodness, aren't you? And all God's people said, Amen. All right, let's pray and let's thank the Lord for His goodness and um, just praise Him for His excellent greatness. I want to make mention of something the Lord just put on my mind Um, you have in front of you, and we never mention this a whole lot, but you have in front of you in the seats offering envelopes. You could probably count on one hand how many times I've mentioned that in 20-something years. We just, we know that the Lord wants us to give, and we know that comes from the Scriptures, but um, here at Grace, we have an envelope that we use. And um, on there... There are three different categories. And uh, one of those categories is really a faith promise category. And that's the category of missions. And we support many missionaries. Uh, There's a commitment per month of about $11,000 that we have to our missionaries. As you know, we get an opportunity to meet them uh, each year and see them when they come. And uh, that's kind of unique because a lot of churches may not have that. So we have that blessing. And so um, the categories on there for your consideration are general fund and uh, missions and then special. And that's been building for a long time, and we still would like there to be some thought about that because we don't know what the Lord's going to do with us in the future. And believe it or not, there is maintenance to buildings. I know that's hard to believe, but it's true. And so we just are thankful for his provision. And like I said, we don't mention it much, but I think it's important for you to know that general fund, um, there's a lot of contribution to that, and we're thankful for that. And missions is one of those categories, I think, if Barry Hearn was standing here, he would say, well, people might forget that one. And um, I would say that as believers in the Lord, we pray about what the Lord would want us to give in relationship to the general fund, in relationship to missions. Because I was thinking, there's so many missionaries here locally and around the world And you know what they all have in common? They want to disseminate the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're thankful for that. So just something to think about for you and to pray about. Thanks be to God. He's paid off the buildings that we have. So glory to his name. Let's pray together. Father, you are so, so good. We only have but a few moments each week that we can gather together. Um, and so, there's special moments, Father. We don't take for granted that we're able to meet freely. Um, there are literally believers around the world who are dying for their faith in Christ. So, so we just want to thank you, Father, for being able to worship you and being able to do so as your Word says, in spirit and in truth. Father, we would be really remiss if we did not thank you for your goodness as it relates to the provision of paying off this building and the children's facility and youth facility. Lord, we just thank you so, so much. We thank you for how you work in the hearts of your people. Father, you are an amazing God. Father, um, each person in this room, myself foremost, has come in this place today with a lot of things on our mind. Things that uh, may distract us from what the most important thing is. So please help us to pay attention. Um, Please help us as we worship you that we would not be distracted in that, but that we would give our full attention to worshiping the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Because he alone is worthy of honor and glory and praise. So Father, thank you so much for our gathering this morning. We pray that you are glorified in all that is done. In the name of Christ, I pray. Amen
1: no means of measure can define his limitless love he's enduringly strong he's entirely sincere he's eternally steadfast he's immortally graceful he's imperially powerful he's impartially merciful do you know him He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He sympathizes and He saves, He strengthens and sustains, He guards and He guides, He heals the sick, He cleans the lepers, He forgives sinners, He discharges debtors, He delivers the captive, He defends the feeble, He blesses the young, He serves the unfortunate, couldn't kill him, death couldn't handle him, and the grave couldn't hold him. Yeah! That's my That's
2: my
3: Amen. <laughs> wow. So, guys, if you're here this morning, all right, and you are grateful for Jesus, uh, you are grateful for the cross, if you love him, all right, and you want to express that, I want to ask you to stand. Let's stand and let's do that this morning. Guys, he is worthy. As good as that video is, as powerful as as it is, as well done, it doesn't do justice. Uh, Jesus is worthy of every single ounce of praise we could possibly muster and so much more. So let's do that this morning. Let's give him everything we've got. Let's sing from the bottom of our hearts and lift his name high this morning. Amen.
2: Sure. This is my story. The shine perfect delight Visions of the rapture now burst on my to be shine all is at risk. I in my save See We became sin, who knew no sin, that we might become His righteousness. He numbered said, carried the cross. i uh-huh. stepped into time, would became man. He bled redeeming grace Calvary's land. He is Jesus. Jesus. He is Jesus, Holy One. The lamb was broken, He's salvation. To us, spoken, come to ransom sinners chosen by your grace. Now, seated where the Father, where you reign on high forever, we exalt your name together in this place. And now, before the throne, one speaks for thee.
1: He said a
2: session, His, His blood, blood is, is my plea, He is Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Jesus. He is Jesus, Holy One. The Lamb was broken, His salvation to us spoken ransom sinners chosen by your grace now seated where the father where you reign on high forever we exalt your name together in this place thank you for your love that was spoken through the sun. dying The hope Raising him to life Conquering the grave One day the trump will sing Calling your own And coming through the clouds Carry us home will be Jesus Jesus, Jesus, Holy One, the Lamb was broken, His salvation to us spoken, to ransom sinners chosen by Your grace, now seated with the Father, where You reign on high forever, we we Your name together in this place. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. He's Jesus, holy one. One more time. Jesus, Jesus, He is Jesus. Holy
0: those are songs that we could sing for the next three hours over and over and over again Thank you, praise team, for leading us this morning. last song is the gospel. Did you notice that? It's the gospel. The death. He died for our sins, the Bible says, according to the scriptures. You may be sitting there saying, I thought he couldn't have died for me. I'm just a, I'm the worst sinner there is. You know what Paul, the apostle, after his salvation said? I'm the chief of sinners. We're all sinful. I've got really good news for you. While we're all in that camp, Jesus died for our sins. He shed his blood that we might have life. Everlasting life. And the hope of that Is his resurrection. He rose again. The third day according to the scriptures. And I know you have a great memory. When I spoke on the 500 witnesses. It wasn't just the apostles that witnessed. The resurrection of Christ. But over 500 people. Over 500. Saw the resurrected Christ. And do you know what? One day he's coming. And we're going to see the resurrected Christ. And as the Bible says, we're going to see him in all his glory. Amen. Let's go home. Can I pray? Father, the subject today may on the surface not interest the whole group. I've thought about that some, but I've also thought about the fact that it should interest all of us because the head of the church is Jesus Christ the Lord. And with that, all of us that belong to him are accountable to him. So when we read through the pages of the New Testament and you outline how you want your church to function, you expect us to function in that way. So please, by your Spirit, help us to be good listeners today. And may your spirit lead and guide us, we pray. In the name of Jesus, amen. Kids, you grow up in a home and your parents have expectations for you. They might not come right out and give you a speech. Right off about their expectations once you have a vocabulary. But they have expectations. When you go to school, young people, your teachers, along with your parents, have expectations for you. I remember going to school. It was a couple of minutes ago. But I remember going... And I remember my teachers having expectations for me. I knew what the expectations of my parents were. A's and B's. And that's it. That didn't always happen. My favorite subjects in junior high were recess, and girls. I didn't study a lot when I was in school. I got to high school, there were still expectations, and I got a little bit better at that the longer school went on. When I was introduced to the workplace, my first job was at McDonald's. you just think you want to eat that food (laughs) I will say this a fish sandwich is wonderful from that place but I worked at McDonald's don't ever order their egg McMuffin trust me but I found out shortly when I started my job at McDonald's that my boss had expectations for me you know what he expected me to do Work. <laughs> you say, Thad, that's so basic. That's right. And every job I had from the time I was 15 on, my bosses expected me to work. And then I got married in 1985, and life just changed some. I am quite certain that Teresa, I did not ask her this week, I was afraid to, I'm sure she had expectations for her husband. And then in 1991, the Lord blessed us with our first son, in 1994 with our second son, and in 1997 with our third son, and do you know what I had? I had expectations do you know much more important than all of that the lord our god has expectations for us and he has expectations for his church some of the subjects as it relates to the church like this morning may not have be on your top 10 list to study But I hope to be able to show you this morning the importance of having elders in the church. Scriptures are obviously not silent on this subject. If you go to Acts 20 alone, you could spend all afternoon looking at Paul's address to the Ephesian elders. There were expectations for those men who led the church at Ephesus. And God has expectations for the elders that lead Grace Community Church at Deerfoot. And so should you. I don't know how you hear that, but I have served with the elders here at Grace since 1996. If you combine my time at Springville Road Community Church... Before we merged with Deerfoot and then being here, I have been in the room with elders for almost 25 years. And can I tell you, it's been some of the most blessed time I've ever had. You say, Thad, I thought elders dealt with hard stuff. They do. But some of the greatest times I've had with my brothers in Christ have been in those rooms, even during the hard times. Because elders shepherd. And who do they shepherd? Sheep. When I first started pastoring at Springville Road Community Church, It was official in the February of two thousand and one. I had a person that walked up to me after the service one day and handed me a little note paper. And on that paper, it said, "Sheep stink," and most of the time. She handed me the note. I read the note. She did not stay to have a conversation about the note. When I read that, I thought, nah, sheep don't stink. They're good all the time. There's never an issue to deal with. But the reality is that when you're amongst the sheep, there are sheep that are hurting. There are sheep that need shepherds to walk alongside of them. To encourage them. There's even times when sheep need to be admonished. Because they're going in the wrong direction. Who's responsible for that shepherding? According to scripture, the elders. mean one elder among several. I take very seriously the responsibility of shepherding this body of believers. You know, there's not a day goes by that I don't think about you. Not all of you at the same time. It's amazing how the Lord puts on your mind the sheep. I want to deal with this subject this morning for the next 30 minutes. Or so. And I want to begin with what God expects. And it begins with this, that God expects his church to recognize that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Thad Blunt is not the head of the church. George Marange is not the head of the church of the church. Dr. Hugh Hughley is not the head of the church. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. The pope is not the head of the church. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Do you believe that? He is whether you believe it or not. Jesus Christ is the head. And do you know the Bible tells us that? This is a very interesting verse for us to consider. Ephesians 5 and verse 23, there is an assumption in the first statement. For just, excuse me, for the husband is the head of the wife. What's God's expectation for the husband and wife relationship? The husband is the head of his family. He's the head of his wife. Now there is a very short phrase there that is a very controversial phrase. Obviously in the culture, but it is in the church as well. Did you know that? that not all people believe that. But the assumption here by Paul is that the husband is the head of the wife. Now this is what that does not mean. He's not a dictator. He's not an abuser. This really kind of is off subject, but in some respects, but the value of the husband and wife are the same. Did you know that? The same, same value, different responsibilities. Does that matter? matters. I think there's a temptation in the church to say, well, I'll deal with that later. Yes, you will. I would dare say that if we understand God's expectations for the home, then what should we do? We should do what God expects. We agree on that? That wasn't too loud. We agree on that? So God expects the husband to be the head, the wife. By the way, in the context of Ephesians five, that's a loving leader. Are you listening to me, husbands? A lot except that leadership piece, but that love's in all in there loving leader husband is to love his wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her and you break down that word love and we all know what that means sacrificial and unconditional that's how you are loving your wife that's leadership do you know in all the years I've been in the ministry which is almost 32 now that's hard to believe 32 years I love it. I've never sat in the front of a Christian couple, Christian couple being key, where the wife did not want to submit. To a husband who was a loving leader, never in 32 years. And I've had plenty of husbands and wives that have sat in front of me for different reasons. I believe godly wives want their husbands to lead. But they want them to lead like the Bible says to lead. You think about how the Lord loved me unconditionally and sacrificially, when I'm at my worst. And husbands, believe it or not, there are times where you're not too good. A husband is the head of the wife as Christ also is the head of the church. So there's not like a debate here going on. Does that make sense? just a statement of fact. He is the head of the church. He himself being the savior of the body. That's, whoa. That's not the only scripture passage that we have. Colossians chapter 1 verse 18. He being Christ is also the head of the body. Another term for the church. He's the head of the body the church. The called out ones. Those who belong to the Lord. You belong to the Lord today? If you belong to the Lord today, Jesus Christ is your Savior, then you're a member of the body of Christ, the church. And you need to understand, no matter which elder stands up here None of the elders, including myself, are the head of the church. Jesus Christ is the head of the church. You know, I think in the culture that we live in, we can't say that enough. Because man tends to look to man first, and maybe not the Lord. I can tell you, serving on an elder board for the last 20-something years... I've walked out many times thinking, Lord, I am so thankful that you're the leader and not me. You said that? I thought you were the pastor. Well, I'm a pastor among many. You know, church government is quite an interesting subject. There are different forms of church government, you, all you have to do is. You know, if you wanted to one Sunday, just go visit down the road. You're going to find all types of church governments. And I'm not here to pit one against another. I'm here just to show you what I believe the Bible says about church leadership. Did you know there are a lot of pastors who are the elder with deacons? And that pastor makes every decision under the sun. From the color of the carpet to the text that he's teaching. And everything in between. I'm certainly glad I did not choose the color of the carpet. I did not choose the paint on the wall. I don't know what it is that you think I choose. I did not choose those things. The youth leaders put together the youth room. I did not walk in there and go, here's my blessing. <laughs> but we laugh, and it's a little funny, but the reality is there are a lot of men, and I'm going to use this phrase, who are stuck in that form of government. You know what? They need a lot of prayer. Because you know what happens? If a person gets their feelings hurt, guess who they're going to? That man, because he's the elder, he's the pastor. I'm not saying I haven't fielded complaints in 30-something years. I've had my fair share. But the reality is that when it comes to the spiritual oversight of the congregation, it's not just me. Are you okay with that? Please be okay with that. I'm perfectly okay with that. I am very, very comfortable in that. That is something that, as I've gotten older, and I have gotten older, in fact, I will be 58. I don't look it right. I will be 58 come October. And I have been in the church since I can remember. And I've been a part of the church, the body of Christ since I was seven, and I've seen all types of churches and all types of church leadership. In fact, when I was in New York State, we came to a point where my pastor Phil asked me to study the subject of elders. And I said, well, I've heard of them. He said, "That I want you to go downstairs and I want you to study the subject of elders, and I don't want you to come back up till you're done. I said, not even for lunch. I'm like, hello, hello. He's like, I want you to study. The church I served at in New York State Berean Bible Church was a fantastic church. Very evangelistic church. Pastor, deacons. There were three deacons. I can name them, and since there's a video, I could even name them by name. I won't, but there were three in that room who I came to know over time, they were elders. Because when discussions of light bulbs came up, and the discussion of chairs in a sanctuary, they were like, and I was the same way. I don't care. Put a chair in the sanctuary. I don't care what color the wall is. Paint it. But there's some guys that care about that kind of stuff, and they look at that, and rightly so. We'll look at deacons, but they're, they're service oriented. But these three men that sat on that deacon board were elders. And I knew it when I left. I studied. I will never forget opening the pastor's door. Now, I never just walked in on Phil, but knocked on the door. I was scared of him. Walk, knocked on the door walked in the office, he said, sit down. I said, why don't we have elders? It's biblical. You just can't get away from it. It's all through the New Testament. And it's plurality. It's not just one elder, it's elders. And I have come to appreciate over the years... That we are elder led with a pastor. And I'm very, very good with that. Don't get me wrong. I love being an elder and I love being the pastor, but I'm just one among many. It's a blessing to serve alongside of those guys. I will have you know something before I get into this further. They pray for you consistently. They do that. I know, I'm with them. Your names are mentioned. And they're mentioned because they observe you and they're in your life. One of the gifts that I have, I believe, which you might laugh at, I don't know, but it's the gift of mercy. You say, Thad, you have the gift of mercy. You might not seem that way to me. But I want to tell you something about Thad. I love people. I love my people. And you know, when I talk to other pastors, I call you my people. Is that okay? You're my people. And when one sheep is hurting, I'm hurting. I love my people. But I'm here to tell you today that all of the elders love their people. So, the scripture establishes that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. Whoa. I had a quick finger today. And I don't even shoot guns. Although I want to buy a gun. It's off subject. Teresa Teresa doesn't want me to buy a gun think she's afraid I'll hurt myself and her. <laughs> Jack Wellman, who is a pastor, author of a brethren church in the Midwest, in Kansas. I call that the Midwest. You ever been through Kansas? Not much there. He wrote this, Jesus is the head of the church, and I love this last part. He expects his body to cooperate. <laughs> that basically sums up what I just read to you. He expects his body to cooperate. So the question becomes, are we cooperating? That's only for us individually to answer. Are we cooperating with the plan that the Lord has set in front of us? Which takes us to the second expectation that we want to land on this morning... And that comes from 1 Timothy chapter 3. And so I want you to turn to 1 Timothy chapter 3 verse 1. The second expectation that God has of us as it relates to the church and the context of what we discuss is that God expects that elders shepherd the church. And that's what you need to expect do you know who your elders are? I would like for all the elders to please stand. If you're currently on the elder board, and I would like you to stand and see. George, you don't have to stand. It's okay. If, by the way, I saw your LSU hat out there on the desk. Right in front of my office. Is that a gift for me? I hope it's there when you get back. (laughs) We have several elders at the church that shepherd you. There are 10 right now, I believe, that are actually actively serving. They get a year off after three years. And um, I asked them years ago, when do I get my year since I'm one of the elders and I only got a kind of cursed look. No, that's not going to happen. As we come to 1 Timothy chapter 3, um, George Mirage, several years ago, put together the handout that you have in front of you. He is one of our elders and pastors. And on that sheet, he talks about the relationship between elders and deacons. And he's got everything covered, I assume you can read. And so I am going to say, read that. There are a lot of good things to land on. I'm not going to discuss in detail any of them. But I want you to read over them. Because before you take the opportunity, as a member of Grace, to nominate an elder and or deacon... You need to, first of all, know who's already serving. Everybody get that? This is kind of a commercial. You need to know who already is serving. So you see present elders, present deacons. That means you do not need to nominate them. They are already serving in those capacities. But you need to pray through the qualifications as you observe their lives, as best as you can. And I would say that if you do not know them well, and if you not prayed and considered the things that are mentioned, I would just wait until the Lord gives you clarity about that. Because, as I told one man years ago, uh, who is with the Lord now, He said, that would be nice to see some new elders on the elder board. And I said to him, in a loving manner, you mean qualified elders. Because the reality is that there is no man that is perfect. What did Paul call himself? The chief of sinners. None of us that serve as elders are perfect by a long shot. And there are a lot of things, a lot of areas in our lives that need prayer and consideration. But I would encourage you to go through this list of qualifications and consider prayerfully those men that you would nominate for elder and deacon. And without going into detail this morning about it, it seems to be there's much more involvement on the part of the congregation when it comes to deacons and not so much as when it comes to elders. I've always thought elders should recognize elders, but elders should also recognize deacons as well. And there'll be a time when we can come to that and discuss that more openly. Can I just give you one to think about under the personal qualifications? you see that on your sheet? Under personal qualifications 5C and 6C, They're all important. But not being pugnacious is critical on an elder board. Because you know that men don't always agree. And when you have a person in the room who's a striker, because that's what the word pugnacious means, it's not good. In fact, it's very uncomfortable. So, I think one of the things as I was perusing the list, this is a person you know well if you're nominating them. It's not just a casual glance. But then it says gentle, 6C. Notice it says in contrast to pugnacious, this person is considerate. They consider you. Do you know how to measure one way to measure whether a person is considering you when you're talking with them if they're looking at you. That's a little thing, but I think it's a little bit bigger than little. They're willing to listen to you. Why elders are wanting to provide counsel and such. I was reminded in my study this week that a lot of being an elder is listening. It's listening and observing. So on that handout, you have consideration of verses 2 through 7 here in 1 Timothy 3, but you also have consideration of Titus chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. But for our consideration this morning, and you're like, Dad, this is just introduction, unfortunately, um, or fortunately. I realize I'm not going to get through all this, but it's okay. There's always next Sunday. Or you can stay. If anybody brought lunch, we could just stay on the grounds. Our verse for consideration this morning is this one because oftentimes this verse is somewhat overlooked as it relates to the position of elder. But it does not need to be overlooked at all. In fact, did you know that everything that I will comment on outside of a couple of parallel passages that we'll look at, this verse alone has a lot of meat to it. Um, our verse for consideration is 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. It is a trustworthy statement if any man aspires to the office of overseer, and I think you can see through context the husband of one wife and a one-woman man in Titus chapter 1. We're talking about a man, masculine here. If any man aspires to the office of overseer, it is a fine work he desires to do. Now, there are synonyms in the New Testament for overseer or elder. Let me give you three. I don't have them on PowerPoint for you because I don't know how to quite say this to you. Sometimes I like to not give you everything on PowerPoint to see if you will write some things down. Or to test whether you are listening or not. Here goes. One of the synonymous terms is the term elder. The one we have here in 1 Timothy 3. One is overseer. The word elder occurs in the New Testament. And it emphasizes one who is. This is interesting. The Greek word emphasizes one who is advanced in life. Does that make sense? Makes sense. When I need wisdom, I go to the men who are older and have done more of life. You know why? I need their wisdom. They've done more of life than I have. And although I'm advancing in age, at times I still view myself as being young. And yet 60s like right around the corner. one sister up here says, that is young. So it's one who is advanced in life. You know where that helps practically? When you're sitting in an elders meeting and a subject comes up as it relates to a married couple who needs help or counsel. If you're dealing with something financially as it relates to people's lives, if there are rebellious children that are involved. It's just nice to have people who have, we'll just say, worn some tread off the tires. Another New Testament term that is used here is the one overseer, but it's also synonymous with the term bishop. And this emphasizes uh, a man charged with the duty of oversight. He has oversight. Now that oversight, as we're going to see, is not to be abused. We're not talking about abusive oversight. We're just simply talking about the fact that an elder is an overseer. And we're going to look at that word in just a few moments. There's also another New Testament word, and it's the word pastor. Pastor. And this emphasizes feeding and tending the flock, guarding the flock, protecting the flock. In other words, you're amongst the people. It's hard to shepherd if you're on the sidelines. You have to be amongst the people. You have to be among them. They have to be a part of you. You need to know about their lives. And one of the great benefits about shared responsibility is every elder in this has the responsibility of being involved in your lives now they're not superhuman men they can't be involved in every single person's life all the time but my viewpoint is that the shepherds need to know the sheep they need to know those that they live among so those are some of the terms that you'll see in the New Testament that work interchangeably Um, alright there are a few things about this verse you need to know First of all, the statement that Paul makes is reliable. That's the word trustworthy there in verse 1. When he uses that word trustworthy, it just means simply reliable. This is a reliable statement. This is a true statement. You know what it reminded me of? When Jesus was with his disciples every once in a while, what would he say? Truly, truly, I say to you. Some translations might have verily, verily. Verily. Truly, truly, I say unto you. So Paul, in essence, is making a truly, truly statement. So it's one we need to pay attention to then. And because it's reliable, then it needs strong consideration. So the statement's reliable. Secondly, the must... I didn't say musk. I'm talking about Elon Musk today. The must... Is a hankering. You say, Thad, where in the world did you get the word hankering? I am excited to tell you that one of the definitions of the word aspire is hankering. And I thought, that is the absolute most southern term. It says it is a trustworthy statement. If any man has a hankering to the office of overseer, we all love the food analogies, don't we? You ever get a hankering for something? I want to give you some things to think about. You ever get a hankering for red beans and rice? Hmm? A hankering for shrimp? A hankering for a good ribeye steak? You know why I pick ribeye? It's got the fat on it. And all that fat's working with all that good, and whoo! You ever get a hankering for fried green tomatoes? I'm here to tell you, as my wife is witness to, and a friend of ours from Indiana is witness to, I made fried green tomatoes this last weekend. I know, you're like, you can cook? Now listen, I'm going to tell you, this is off note, but take you a little bit of cornmeal. That's what you want. Don't use flour. That'll take you off course. Just a dusting of cornmeal. Put that baby in one of those pans. We got a pan now. You don't even have to wash the thing. You just wipe it out. I love that pan. And, and, and you just put that in there with a little bit of oil, avocado oil. That's what I use. And um, I think Teresa switched on me after my heart surgery, but... But put that oil in there. Put that dusting of cornmeal on those tomatoes. Watch them. You got to watch them. Oh, my goodness. Do you have a hankering yet? I mean, really good. You're ready for fried green tomatoes at 1138. But we're not quite there. Isn't it interesting that it just means strong desire. It's a hankering for... In other words, I think lived out, I have to do this. We need to understand, though, it is a spirit-led issue. And I'll show you some of that in just a moment in a quote by a man named Alexander Strock, who wrote a book on biblical eldership. But notice he says it is a trustworthy statement. If any man aspires to the office of overseer to the fine work he desires to do, I need to make one more mention about that term, aspires. Okay, it's a hankering for, but it's, the picture is of a person who makes an effort. They reach out for it. They want that. Just like you reach out and grab that fried green tomato out of that plant, out of that uh, plant, out of that, uh, out of that uh, cooker, and you put it on your plate, it's that same idea, there's effort involved. But you know, the end of that statement he makes, the word desires is an interesting word. It has to do with intensity. There's this intense desire on the part of this person, this man, to shepherd, to oversee. Alexander Strzok, in writing about this, I thought he did an excellent job with talking about this whole desire piece and being connected to being spirit-led and motivated. He said... A man who desires to be a shepherd will let others know of his desire. That is one way the congregation and the elders can know of a prospective elder. The knowledge of this desire will prompt the elders to pray and to encourage such desire through appropriate training and leadership development. One of the things, if you look at the scriptures and you're looking for that, how does that look practically You know, Paul just took Timothy and he he said, watch me do life, and he did life with him, right? You have to be involved in the lives of other elders if you're one who has that desire that is spirit created, as he says in the next statement. He says, more important, the person with a spirit-created motivation for the work of eldership will devote much time, thought, and energy to caring for the people and studying the scriptures. That's what elders do. So there is this spirit-led motivation on the part of the individual. He goes on to say, "There is no such thing as a spirit-given desire for eldership without the corresponding evidence of sacrificial, of sacrificial loving service and love for God's word." Eldership is a strenuous task that needs to be underlined over and over. It's a strenuous. You know why it's a strenuous task? You don't have a minute off. You say, yeah, that when you go home, you're off. No. A person can call you 24-7. You say that only happens to the pastor. No, it doesn't. It happens to elders, too. There are people who call who are in need. Um, Very, very important to understand that it's a strenuous task, not just another position on a decision-making board, which most people... I think at times, think about. Oh, it's just a bunch of guys who get together and they make decisions. Well, decisions are made, but there's a lot to those decisions. Strack ends by saying, in fact, the stronger a man's desire for eldership, the stronger will be his leadership and love for people and the word. I want to show you this term that he uses. It's very critical to understanding... Um, ...what this person does. The word overseer is made up of a Greek word. We don't have too many Greek lessons, but here's one of them. The prefix is epi... ...and it's there for simply intensity or stressing something. And a root word, scopus, where we get uh, our uh, term scope... ...which we'll talk about in just a moment. So the first thing we need to understand is that little epi, uh, episcopus, epi just intensifies what's going on. Like, you know, for example, in the Bible, knowledge is discussed, gnosis. Well, there are some times where it's epigenosis, stressing knowledge. So, in other words, there's a stress here on this issue of overseer. All right, so that's the prefix, which all of you English and Greek people love. The rest of you are like, what are you talking about? Secondly, we see from this word that we get our English word scope from the root. Now, a scope is used to do what? It's used to see, but there is such a thing called a stethoscope. And what's it used for? To hear, to listen. Uh, I go to the heart doctor this Wednesday. And I really like my heart doctor, But he's going to say, Thad, how are you feeling? And I'm going to look at him and say, I feel great. It's ticking. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to take that stethoscope, and he's going to begin to listen to me. And he'll listen to the heart, and he'll listen to these arteries, and he'll even put that thing on my back, which I'm kind of ticklish in a couple spots there. But he's going to do what he's going to listen for. That's part of it. But I think major part of it is the visual piece. And we have things like microscopes, right? And we think have things like telescopes. And they help bring into focus things more clearly. So when you put it together, the overseer is, is one who looks intensely at his sheep. He's not just looking at you. He's looking through you, so to speak. I don't know if you know I do that, but I do that. I watch you guys. I'm looking at you. And I'm looking at you intensely and intently. Why? Because I care. I love you. I got to thinking about how that is for an elder, that an overseer is to intensely, intently look at the sheep be involved in their lives and I'm like, wow, this is so awesome because that's what the chief shepherd does in my life. <laughs> Isn't that cool? The chief shepherd looks intently at my life. Now there's a major difference between the chief shepherd and any elder on the planet. The chief shepherd knows all things. So when he sees us, he sees everything about us. There is nothing hidden from his sight. He knows how many hairs you have on your head. He knows the words you're going to speak before you even say them. Whoa. Think about that. Whew. You say, Thad, I've got one that's already overseeing me. Well, you do. And that's the Lord Jesus. But as it relates to the local church it's important for us to consider the fact that elders have the responsibility to intently and intensely be involved in your life and when they do that you know what's going to happen you're going to be vulnerable and that's okay because you know what I've found over the years everyone needs help And we'll just start with my life. I need lots of help. And I need my elders to help me. I need them to intently and intensely look at me. Be concerned about my life. Believe it or not, I have a life. Thirdly, the verb form of the word overseer means to visit. This is an incredible word. You're going to like this. This is not just a drop-in visit idea. That's not the word in the original. It's not just a pop-by, hey, how are you? Great, great. You all right? Yeah, I'm great. See ya. Which is somewhat of a model on Sundays. Can we be honest about that? Hey, how you doing? Doing great. How you doing? Doing great. Great seeing you. See you next week. Elders can't do that. You said, Dad, you've never done that? Sure, I've done that. But the reality is, I'm just going to pick on Aaron and Emily. I need to be intently and intensely involved in their lives. I got to know them better just several weeks ago. We went to this restaurant to eat together. What was the name of that place? Pita Stop. Oh, my goodness. I had the fish. They had the steak. Coveting every once in a while enters our lives. I was coveting their steak. I was more intently involved with them that night than I had been. That's the truth. So when we as elders do that, we're vulnerable and they're vulnerable. You say, well, what should elders look at intently and intensely? Whoa. Let me give you three. And we'll stop for today. An elder looks intently at prayer. An elder is depending upon the Lord. Are you listening to me? For the wisdom that he needs to shepherd the sheep. The Word. An elder has to be in the Word. You'll see on your qualification sheet when it comes to an elder apt to teach. I think sometimes, and I want to make sure we're clear on this, some people view teaching as, okay, it's the one guy behind the pulpit that stands there and he teaches. So he's the one that's qualified. You say, with that I hadn't seen every single elder behind the pulpit. You're not going to. But you're going to see some of them. Van Cook is going to teach October the 2nd. Mark your calendars. Pastor Van. And he's going to speak. He's an excellent Bible teacher. Pastor David Nichols. He's been behind this lectern. And he has preached. And he preaches. And he teaches. And he's an excellent teacher. And an excellent preacher. And John Burnett. Jokingly, I'll say, Pastor John, you're on. He loves to teach and loves to preach the word. And, it, and a lot of the guys do, but not all of them are going to stand behind this lectern. But you know what they do? They teach. They may teach one-on-one. They may teach one-on-five. There's not a number here. But they're apt to teach the word. So we'll look at that more next week. And then this intensity... Also involves people. Being with the people. You want me to tell you what I cannot do? I cannot adequately shepherd all of you. Did you know that? I can't do it. I even told the elders a year and a half ago, I said, guys, I just can't keep up with them. Sometimes, do you know, I get a phone call, hey, that so-and-so was in the hospital. Past tense. They're already home. I'm like, uh uh-oh, they're going to think I don't care. I absolutely care. But there's a list right now. It's pretty long. People that are hurting in this congregation. With the help of the Lord, I try to get there. But do you know what? It's not just my responsibility. It's the responsibility of those who oversee you. There is a letter. I'll close with this letter. There is a letter written by Chuck Swindoll. Back in 1991. How many of you were alive back in 1991? Those Rose students, they, you guys weren't alive in 1991. I know that for a fact because my oldest son was born that year. But listen to what Chuck Swindoll wrote in his letter. I, I really, really admire Chuck Swindoll. I think he's an excellent Bible teacher, preacher. He's more of a preacher. He's an excellent Bible preacher, But I just really respect the way that that he handles the ministry. He wrote this, this letter that he wrote was about geese. And the point of his letter is to talk about the fact that geese work together. You know what you should expect of your elders? That your elders would work together. This is what it says. Chuck Swindon, right in this letter, he says, It's those stately geese. I can just hear him saying that. I find especially impressive. Winging their way to a warmer climate, they often cover thousands of miles before reaching their destination. Have you ever studied why they fly as they do? He says it is fascinating to read what has been discovered about their flight pattern as well as their in-flight habits. He says four come to mind. The first one is those in front rotate their leadership. When one goose gets tired, it changes places with one in the wing of the V formation and another flies point. (laughs) That's interesting. Secondly, by flying as they do, the members of the flock create an upward air current for one another each flap of the wings literally recreates an uplift for the bird immediately following one author states that by flying in a V formation the whole flock gets 71 this is scientific stuff read about it 71% greater flying range than if it, each goose flew on its own what do you think about that single pastor guy Ooh, we need to pray for them don't we When one goose gets sick or wounded, number three, two fall out of formation with it and follow it down to help and protect it. Oh, what a picture. It's what you should expect. If you're sick or you're falling down or you're just having a difficult time in life, it shouldn't be that you're alone. And it shouldn't be that I'm alone with you. There should be other shepherds. Listen to this why do they help protect? It says they stay with the struggler until it's able to fly again. Talk about commitment. Fourthly, he says the geese in the rear of the formation are the ones who do the honking. Oh, he's always wondered that. I suppose it's their way, he says, of announcing that they're following and that all is well. For sure, the repeated honks encourage those in front to stay at it. You know what? There needs to be a whole lot of honking going on in that elder board. Stay at it. Stay the course. In Closing the letter, he says, As I think about all this, one lesson stands out above all others. It is the natural instinct of geese to work together. Whether it's rotating, flapping, helping, or simply honking. The flock is in it together. Which enables them to accomplish what they set out to do. Honk, honk. I'm in it for the long haul. As the Lord wants me to be. I trust that when you see your elders. Here at Grace, that you know that we're together and that we love God and we love his word. We go to him and we see you and we need to hear you. Let's pray together. Father, Father, as we think about elders, We think about, first of all, what you expect from your church. And we recognize because we look around and we see other churches that are functioning fine. Uh, They have other form of government. Uh, We just believe here at Grace that you speak of a plurality of elders who have a tremendous responsibility in shepherding the sheep. I guess, Father, my prayer as one of those elders is that the sheep would know that we love them. That the sheep would know that our commitment is to the gospel of Jesus Christ. His death, his burial, his resurrection. That we're committed to bringing you the things... That we need help with. And Lord we need help with a lot. Also Lord we're committed. To your word. to The dissemination of it. I pray that. Each member of this congregation. And even those visiting today. If if they're visiting with us. Lord I pray they would know. Just can't imagine what it would be like. Coming in on a Sunday like this. But that they would know, sitting in their chairs, that the elders desire to know them and to be in their lives. Because, Lord, we all can say this, we all need your help. Because we are easily distracted from the expectations that you have for us. So I pray that your spirit would lead us, that your spirit would guide us as we consider The process for elders and deacons being nominated here at grace all this i pray in the name of christ amen guys
3: uh our focus this morning worship has been jesus he is the head of the church right and uh a while back we we did a song uh introduced it to you my jesus Uh, we want to do that one again Uh, the theme of the song is uh you know sharing the gospel uh telling people about jesus but it's just such a fun song. It captures uh, the joy, I think, of knowing Jesus to the point that you can't keep it in. You want to tell everybody about him. So we want y'all to sing it with us. Y'all stand, and if you know the song, feel free to sing out. If, if you don't know it as well, you can catch up with us on the, on the chorus because it's really simple. Kate's going to lead it. You guys sing with us.
0: tell you about my Jesus.
2: His love is strong and His grace is free. And the good news is I know that He can do for you what He's done for me. Let me tell you about my Jesus. And let my Jesus change your life. Years, and tell the past to disappear oh, Let me tell you about my Jesus And all the wrong turns that you would Go and undo if you could You can work it all for your good? Let me tell you about my Jesus tell you about my Jesus. His love is strong and His grace is free. And the good news is I know that He would do for you what He's done for me. Let me tell you about my Jesus. And let my Jesus change your life. Hallelujah. 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 the price for all my guilty. Who would care that much about me? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Oh. He makes a way where there ain't no way. Rises up from an empty grave. Ain't no sinner that he can't save. Let me tell you about my Jesus love is strong and His grace is free. And the good news is I know that He can do for you what He's done for me. Let me tell you about my Jesus and let my Jesus change your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
0: Was really good. See how she did that? Just a couple of things for you as a family to know. People to pray for. Um, Michael and Shay. Uh, Shay's in the hospital. She's pregnant. She's been having a little bit of complications. We'll just put it like that. And uh, we want to pray for Michael and for Shay. Michael's back there in the back. He's the guy. He's Big guy back there, and uh, I've known Shay for a long time, and we're thankful for Michael, and, and uh, we just want to pray for, for Shay. Lord, protect the baby and protect her, and she's having to be away from her little boy Grayson, so that's difficult, and what's uh, the cutest little kid, but we want to pray for them, and uh, also, um, I was able to visit with Tony Cooey on Friday. Uh, He and Mary Jo, and um, he told me about her salvation uh, that took place within this last year. And um, last night, she went to be with the Lord. And so, uh, Tony texted me at 6.30 this morning, and uh, he said the funeral arrangements aren't set yet, but he is in the process of of making those things happen. And um, Roy Roy Mahan needs our prayers as well, he's had difficult time struggling I probably won't remember the entire list but Mary Mann who has been her and her husband JD have been attending I told them I couldn't forget their name my granddad was JD and my mom was Mary so I was like hey even if I tried I couldn't forget that but she had a heart valve replacement she's doing well she's in rehab so we just need to pray for them and um, as others come to your mind uh, you pray for them as well and um, so why don't we bow, and we'll ask the Lord to help us today. Father, we do ask for your help. We all need it. And if there is one in this building today that does not know Jesus, I pray that today could be that day of salvation. We're thankful that salvation is rich and it's free. It's through the Lord Jesus Christ alone. Help us as we go through our week. As you bring opportunities to us, that we would be faithful to step through the doors that you open up to declare your gospel. And all this I pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You are dismissed.